the Sports Career Podcast, episode 244, how to work in the football industry from a different perspective. Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Matthew Barrett. Matthew has over nine years of experience working in the sponsorship sector in the sports industry, but currently he's the co-founder of GoalClick, which is a storytelling platform which is all about sharing stories in the football industry, and it's all about raising awareness of great stories in sport which aren't told in the media limelight. So for that reason, it's such a privilege to have Matt as a special guest on the show, and that's when today's episode, Matt will share his football career journey and explain to you how to work in the football industry from a different perspective. Matt, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please do share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? So my sports career journey started fresh out of university. I studied history. That doesn't necessarily lend itself to a sports career, but I actually ended up focusing a lot on sports, politics and war throughout the 20th century. So throughout my time, I was already thinking about what can my life be like after studying and I knew sport was going to play a big role in that. I was thinking about journalism, about documentary filmmaking, but in the end, I went down a sports marketing path. In terms of the specific journey, I worked agency side for about nine years uh, for three different agencies, starting at Hill and Knowlton Strategies, where I spent six very happy years um, working in sports sponsorship and communications, and then tried my hand at a few other types of sports marketing, um, always in sponsorship, um, and then created Gold Click with a friend, and that became my my full-time job two and a half to three years ago. So yeah, that's my my journey in brief. Before we talk about Gold Click, I just want to go back in time, just for the listeners listening in who are still at university. Out of interest, during that time at university, particularly history and politics, I'm really intrigued on this. How has that supported you now from a research perspective or also from a, I always know with history and politics, you've got to have a good argument in whatever you believe in, should we say. From that skill set perspective, how has that supported you now in the current work you're doing in the football industry? I think the skills that stand out are storytelling, arguments, and understanding of context. I think that quite often we're encouraged to look at things through a, through a very short-term lens. And actually, what I believe is really important is understanding the context behind things and people's stories now, but the context for those stories and, and where those come from. And I think in a lot of the sports industry, when you're 
developing maybe a communications plan or a strategy going forward or you know wanting to specifically work on a campaign you can't just treat that in isolation you have to really understand the very different perspectives that maybe exist on those issues or where um, where somebody has come from so i do think that my natural way of looking at the world through a very long lens zooming out to what the macro is rather than the micro it's something that has really helped my journey and it actually underpins everything that I'm about as a person, both personally and professionally. I don't like the focus on what's happening right now. I like to look at how things have come to be and, and therefore what can we do in the future as a result of where they've come from. Can we just touch on this a lot more because I think really in the football industry in particular, you know, with regards to Black Lives Matter, there's so much on this and you, you've just said we've got to look at this, let's say this example from a big lens, not a short lens, let's say them putting their knee on the pitch, that's the short term, what's the big term? Is that an example you're talking about of looking at things from that perspective? I just want the listeners who are doing research or want to work in the football industry to solve problems from you know, getting things or real change happen. Is this what you mean as an example of, of a, that, that lens perspective? It's exactly what I mean. And you raised a great example. I think that the example of say women's sport and women's football in particular, how can you possibly understand the current arguments and current debates without understanding the historic um, nature of the ban, for instance, for 50 years? How can you understand um, refugee stories within sport without understanding the history of specific conflicts and displacement? How can you understand where we are at the moment on racial issues in sport without understanding what has come before? So history is claimed often in a quite populist manner, but actually I think when you go deeper into history <laughs> and you really start to understand where the myths have come from and where the narratives have been created, I think it's a really vital skill to then creating any meaningful campaign going forward because there will always be people who will hold you to account. And I think a lot of brands and organizations find this when they want to do some good, but it comes off maybe as virtue signaling. It's probably because they haven't really invested in understanding the full story and, and being there throughout that story for a long period of time. I think people often trip up around, around that. Just going back to your career experience of those nine years with those agencies, what did you learn during that period, particularly from a sponsorship perspective? So, what, what, can you can you can you go a bit more specific on that? Like, what do you mean? What did I learn? Well, you just finished university. You did nine years, and you know, going into the sponsorship world. If list, listeners listening in who want to go, how I'm intrigued of how has like from that experience in sponsorship, how has that influenced you with Gold Click? Uh, how has it supported you um, looking at sponsorship as a not just monetization but like a win-win with regards to collaborations? I've had quite a few sponsorship experts, so I know sponsorship quite well with these experts. But people just say, "Oh, we got to get sponsorship for an event," but actually there is a process, and it's all about real collaborations with a meaningful purpose behind it. If that makes sense. So I'm going to say that I feel like I was talking about sponsorship with purpose way before it became fashionable and cool <laughs> um, to do that because one of the reasons that I found myself going down more of the sponsorship route was because I've always been someone that feels like 
it's better to work on the inside rather than necessarily the outside. And that's just who I am. There is a, a absolutely place for activism and it, and it needs to happen. I think that my natural disposition is to work on the inside of an industry and change it from within. And I have always felt that the best way to bring in the issues that I care about is to get business and institutions who are running sport to think differently. And for me, trying to move the football, the sport, the sponsorship industry into doing better work, better storytelling, better campaigning. It's actually been within me right from the start of me moving on down this journey. Now, I didn't necessarily, when I started my career, know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I received no formal training for a career in sports sponsorship. There was very little guidance or assistance for entry-level employees in the sports industry 15 years ago it's a completely different world today so anyone coming out now of university has so many more resources to actually be trained i guess in in this in this industry so many people that i started with never received um specific sports sponsorship or sports marketing education however I think after spending so many years within the industry, what hasn't changed is that collaboration between organizations that stands out as bringing positive change. I think sometimes we feel as people or as organizations, it's better to hold on to something or own something or almost go alone. But, and I'm talking now with maybe a gold click hat on as well, Every single good thing I've ever been involved in has come about from bringing together different sets of expertise and different organizations to come to come together to create something. And that isn't necessarily just sport industry and sport industry people coming together to work. It can be multi-sector. So I think my hope is just to see that trend continue. And just following up with the, the I want to just talk now about skill sets now specifically from those nine years, because if you don't mind, I'm going to bring two circles in the mix as well. Who you've worked with. I hope you don't mind me saying that because I've had Matt Rogan on the show who I've learned a lot from, from a skill set perspective. How did that develop within the, the nine years, such as your communication, but in particularly building a network? I keep saying it, reminding my listeners that this industry is a people industry and building a network so important. So would you mind just sharing this side, how your skill sets have grown? When you said earlier, you didn't have any training or education, it was all on the job uh, experience, if that makes sense. It really was. I think the number one thing I always say to people is network, network, network. And you can start from no network. I started with absolutely zero network in the sports industry. I knew no one. I look back at the jobs I applied for, I laugh actually at how completely unaware I was of how the sport industry works. But over my time and starting at Hill and Knowlton and moving through other agencies, I've always tried to network with my peers in the industry. I think often people think you have to network with people who are senior to you to kind of you know, get great insights. But actually, 
that helps, yes, but I think really what's most valuable is to to network and know the people who are who are at your level moving through the industry at the same point because you're all going to rise up together and actually i think the most productive things that i have done in the sport industry is get to know other people who are working elsewhere within it and there isn't actually many formal structures for that to happen often you're working within your own silo and the only other people you might meet are people you're working on specific projects with but there is huge value to knowing what else is happening and who else is doing what in your industry. So talk to everyone. Honestly, talk to everyone. I remember thinking to myself once at a networking event when you could do a networking event. Um, just talk to that person next to you because they're probably just as uncomfortable as you are. If they're on their phone, they're just pretending, you know, if you put time into networking, you will get benefit from it. And it is actually something you have to dedicate time to. You can't just let it happen. And, you know, letting you into the, into the inner sanctum here, I have a list of every single person I've ever spoken to about GoClick. And I actively put hours into making sure that I keep up with people on a purely friendly industry level. There doesn't have to be an outcome from it. And I think it's the best skill I learned from my days working in communications and working in sports marketing, being able to talk to media, being able to talk to other agencies, being able to talk to other people in other sectors within the business. It's so valuable. I really do hope the listeners are taking notes and Matt, thank you so much for sharing that because there's a phrase I live by and very much similar to you. I actually knew one person in the sports industry and that was that one conversation that triggered, but I always say the quality of your communication is the quality of your network. So again, listen to Matt's tips and put that into practice with regards to that list building. So yeah, about to say something, Matt. It's also not rocket science. Like you, you don't have to be taught these skills necessarily you just have to i would say build the confidence but also recognize that other people want to talk to you and i think that's a really important thing to to bear in mind that most people most humans <laughs> actually want to meet other humans and if you're working in the same sector you're going to be as useful to them as they are going to be to you to be honest, you've hit the nail on the head. I think it does come down to confidence. I relate to my career journey. It's when I had the confidence to reach out and it's, you know, just starting one conversation, it builds more confidence in reaching out to many. Look, this has been a phenomenal and really interesting podcast chat, but I want to get to today's podcast topic because we've already sort of mentioned it already with regards to your, your sort of days doing history and politics, but with regards to this week's podcast topic, what are the benefits of working in the sports industry from a different perspective and lens? Now, I'm going to give some perspective because we want to talk about goal click now. But when people think of football industry, particularly, they think of the clubs. They think about what's happening on the pitch, off the pitch with business. But in your world, in regards to goal click, it's not the case. And I just want the listeners to learn that there are different perspectives of working in the football industry. There are so many niches that you can go down in the football and sports industry because it's so big it's so vast that there 
there just has to be room for many, many different approaches to it because the traditional and more regular industry covers a lot of things, but then there are so many alternative ways of looking at it and so many alternative cultures to explore. So personally, we've gone down a route around first person perspective storytelling, which is something that isn't done a lot of, but I know <laughs> that if people have specific ideas on a different take of the industry, that there's always room for that. I think that the one thing that I would also say from my experience is that there's definitely a culture in football of doing things the way they've always been done. And that's normal. It's probably true in every sector, in every industry. And in our specific case, we recognise that there's a big difference between a brand or an organization talking about something versus giving the power to the person themselves to tell their own story. So I think the thing I would suggest is that there could be subtle tweaks on existing practices that make things unique and different. You know, we haven't created a totally different way of being or way of looking at the world. But we've taken something that is pretty normal storytelling about people and we've just shifted it. And so I think the thing that I would say is that in every single possible, <laughs> possible part of the industry, there's going to be a way to have a slightly different approach on what is traditional and, and regular. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, I just want the listeners to be involved in this conversation too now. Would you mind just explain to the listeners what is GoldClick and what inspired you to start it? So GoldClick is a global football storytelling platform and network. We find people from all over the world and we ask them to tell their own stories about their lives and their football communities. It's all from the first person perspective it's very much the inside of you of a person's life and community rather than an outsider coming in to tell that story on their behalf, so to speak. And the storytellers that we work with range hugely from the most marginalized communities in the world, refugees, people in conflict zones. You can see where that red thread has come from, um, given my, my background, uh, women breaking barriers all around the world, right up through fan culture, the grassroots game and into the elite side of, of football. And uh, with all of our storytellers, we start off by giving them disposable analog cameras to capture their life as they see it. Um, and then they write their own stories alongside those photos. And then that has led to lots of exhibitions and we're starting to explore audio and video. But essentially, it's always about how can the person themselves tell their own truth from, through their own voice, through their own eyes. And that's a really important element to what we do. Honestly, I find it fascinating because you've got some great, one, some great images, but two, the great images sort of tell a picture. You don't need, um, as they say, like a picture can tell a thousand words, if that makes, if that's the quote, I hope I've quoted it right. But some of your images, and if, you, if it's cool with you, Matt, I may put a few in, in the show notes so you can see the football industry from a different perspective. And the one thing I want to touch on again, we've spoken about sponsorship from your experience, but with regards to Goal Click, and storytelling, it's such a shame because it's a bit of a buzzword in marketing. But for brands listening to this, 
what are the benefits of storytelling from a sponsorship perspective? What is sort of the win-win for brands to get involved? It is my belief that most brands and most organizations want to do this kind of storytelling. They want to tell impactful stories of inspiring people that are connected to the work that they're doing, the sponsorships they're doing, their involvement in the game. That is without doubt. The traditional regular way of doing that is the traditional media approach. Send in a photographer, send in a journalist, send in a filmmaker, tell that story, create high-end quality content, push it out on their channels. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we're very pro that. <laughs> we want we want people to continue to do that and we have huge respect and time for all of those storytellers doing those things. What we're doing is something which is slightly different. It's a tweak on that model and it's about hearing those voices themselves. So in effect, the subject becomes the storyteller. And I think that actually that really is what a lot, what a lot of brands and organizations want. They really want to involve the people who are part of those programs or those campaigns or benefiting from the, the sponsorship to tell that story for the brand or for the organization. It just takes quite a lot of time, quite a lot of patience, quite a lot of credibility and quite a lot of trust to do that in a meaningful way. And so what you really want is you want those individuals, and those storytellers to be advocates for your brand and advocates for your organization. I think that what we bring to the table is we're putting that power, that freedom, that control directly in those people's hands. So I would say, how about we have a blend of this? How about we continue with the traditional way of telling those stories? But how about we also put a bit of power into the people themselves who are beneficiaries of that sponsorship to tell the story almost by stealth on behalf of of your brand so that's what i would say and, and i think that is something we're starting to see more movement towards anyway with the democratization of storytelling and being able to tell your own story on your own smartphone or on your own voice memo or through your own camera now is the time to allow people to be in charge of their own story absolutely now matt going back to your career now looking back what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey? I have to say, I really grew up at my first agency, Helen Knowlton Strategies. I look back now at the clients that we got to work with and the events I was fortunate enough to work on and spending a month at the Cricket World Cup in India, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka for... Um, a sponsor, MoneyGram at the time, was just an amazing experience. And not, not just because I saw Brian Adams perform at the opening ceremony in Bangladesh, um, but going to Senegal with Western Union, UNICEF and Patrick Vieira, like seeing how much sport can create change and can create impact in countries around the world not just the mega events, not just the, um, the glossy side, but also the very local individual 
social impact that it creates. So I would have to say my happiest times were um, those kind of formative experiences. But then obviously in recent years, growing Gold Click and probably creating exhibitions at major tournaments like the Russian World Cup, like the Women's World Cup, and being at those tournaments and particularly the Women's World Cup, it feeling like something was really happening and changing in the world was quite a special experience to be part of. I find this all interesting. Just really quickly, I always like to share to listeners how I got connected with you. It was actually, I, I call it like a referral from Simon, who's been on this podcast. But then I heard you on Clubhouse and you've spoken a lot on different like clubhouse rooms on women's football. Just on this sort of subject matter, like you said it's very special uh, with regards to the Paris World Cup, I assume you're talking about specifically. Moving forward, I don't like to use the glass ball as an example, but where would you like to see the game develop moving forward now? I mean, long term, I would actually like women's football to be not seen as this special case. Actually, what we want is for it to be totally normalised and almost for an end to all the incredible, uplifting stories of overcoming huge challenges and barriers to play because we want those challenges and barriers to be removed. So actually, my long-term vision is for women's football almost to lose that kind of feeling that it has at the moment of being something, being an underdog and breaking through these barriers. But in the, in, in the medium term, I would just like to see more opportunity at all levels of the game for women to play football and work in football. I think that the universal truism that we have found, and given we work, probably about two thirds of our stories come from women and girls around the world, in every single society, at every single level, from the elite down to the grassroots, it's harder for women and girls to play, progress, work in the sport. And that's not to say that men in many places don't have it very hard as well, but there's always that added layer, social, political, cultural reasons that mean it is harder for women and girls. So we're making a small contribution, I guess, by giving that platform and, and amplifying these stories. But across the board, I would like to see more opportunity and wider acceptance that this is here, <laughs> this is coming. And, you know, you can either get on board and help or you're going to be on the wrong side of history. What a great reply. The phrase I saw you use is normalise, but that's not like normalise as equal access. Um, and, and to be honest, that's in my opinion where the game should grow on and off the pitch. Matt, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We've gone quite deep in a few topics, which I love on a podcast, but I always like to finish with an inspirational question. You've provided tips. We've talked about different perspectives. We've talked about sponsorship, but what three tips do you give to the listener right now with regards to kickstarting their sports career journey? Number one, it only takes five minutes to do something. And I think a lot of time we build up the idea that we have to have everything worked out before we start something. And we feel like we need to have a fully formed plan in order to begin something. 
you don't. We started Gold Click by sending one disposable camera to Sierra Leone and having no idea what we were getting back. Three years later, we've worked with FIFA, UEFA, the Qatar World Cup, Adidas, New York City Football Club, and the UN. How on earth did we know that was going to happen? We didn't have that strategic plan lined up, but we had an idea. We started, we did five minutes, and in five minutes it becomes 10 minutes, and in 10 minutes it becomes 20 minutes. So don't let the absence of a fully thought out idea and plan get in the way of starting something. I think the second point and related to that is that you're good enough to do it. There is a slightly uncomfortable element within society, I guess, that founders or CEOs or people who have created things know exactly what they're doing and they are the masters of it and you need to follow their path and they're geniuses and they have it all worked out. Anyone who says that is lying. <laughs> so there is often this phrase that's broadly said as imposter syndrome. We have a don't have much time so I'm not going to go into my my uh, my critiques on that but I feel that it's weaponized a bit to put people down and make people feel they can't be what they want to be. What imposter syndrome should be replaced by is I have a lot of self-doubt. I'm not sure I have the skills. I'm uh, unsure if I've got the right plan. Those are all really valid things. But to create this false dichotomy between I know everything, I've got everything worked out and you're not meant to do this because you're not worthy enough, I think is a really destructive thing. So my point would be, no one has it worked out. Everyone's making it up as they go along. So why can't you do it? And then the third point I would say would be, and I mentioned this earlier, network, 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 talk, 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 but focus on your peers because we can chase that supposed genius founder, that supposed chief marketing officer who clearly, you know, has everything worked out. It's probably not true. Or we can grow and develop with our peers and our colleagues and change things together. So I would say, in summary of all those things, no one's the finished article. We should all want to be in constant state of growth. And it's a good idea to do it allied with people who are going through a similar journey to you. Wow. I hope the listeners have enjoyed those three tips. And just to relate to your point of figuring things out, I had no idea when I first launched my first three episodes back in 2016 to still be doing it now, Matt. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it was like bringing flashbacks of those first three, how nervous I was. But when you put yourself out there, anything's possible. But look, Matt, how can people can connect with you online? So personally, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm fairly easy to find. Um, and then I would suggest people also check out GoalClick on Instagram at GoalClick and, and Twitter at Goal underscore click. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Matt, it's been such a pleasure chat with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a fascinating podcast chat with Matt. And Honestly, this is why I started this podcast show six years ago is creating just real authentic conversations about 
what it really takes to a career in the sports industry or football industry in that matter. And with regards to this week's podcast topic, which is all about how to work in the sports industry from a different perspective, I hope you've got a better understanding that it really does come down to you and what you want to do in the sports industry with the impact you want to make. Like relating to Max Story, he studied history, he worked in agencies and sponsorship where he learned on the job and now he's applying all those skills or its education and put it into something meaningful to him with regards to goal click with the power of individual storytelling. And it's a really wonderful thing he's doing with the work he's doing in the football industry, particularly in the women's game. So without a doubt, check out the Gold Click website, check out their really awesome images, which really just paint a picture of great storytelling just from a different perspective. And without a doubt, the one thing I do have to touch on again, which Matt spoke so eloquently and so truthfully about the power of building your network. Without a doubt, it's all about the conversations you have. But I really like the bit when he said it's all about the people already around to your peers and how we can grow together with regards to the conversations we have. Honestly, that's what the industry is about. It's how we uplift everybody around us, particularly with similar values. I think that's really important. You want to work with people in the industry with similar values to you, because when you do work, I promise you it doesn't feel like work, particularly on projects that are meaningful. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast chat. And again, apply those three career tips right at the end. And I like the first one in particular. You're just five minutes away of doing something meaningful in what you want to do. And if you just have that mindset, even now, just after listening to this podcast, what are you going to do in the next five minutes that's going to support your sports career development today and now? So on that note, put those five minutes into place and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Matt said, don't let a fully thought out plan or idea get in the way of starting.